Welcome to the WP Tonic WordPress and SaaS podcast. Jonathan Denwood and his co-host Stephen Souder interview the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning and online marketing to help WordPress professionals launch their own SaaS. Take it away, guys. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic this week in WordPress and SaaS. We've got a great guest. I know I do often say that, but I've been watching a lot of her previous interviews. She is a truly marketing expert, totally knows her stuff, and it should be a great show. We've got Amanda. I'm going to let Amanda introduce herself in her surname. I've decided not to embarrass myself and try and pronounce it because in respect to Amanda. Uh, Amanda is the chief architect at Spark Turo. We are friends of Rand. You know Rand's been on the show a few times as well, and it's just going to be a blast of a show. So, Amanda, can you quickly introduce yourself to the WP Tonic Tribe? Yes, thank you so much for having me, Jonathan. Uh, My name's Amanda Natividad. Uh, I am the marketing architect over at Spark Turo. Although marketing is sort of a third career for me, um, in my in my throughout my marketing career, you know, I've worked at direct to consumer brands, B two B brands, um, all in various content marketing and head of marketing roles. Uh, but prior to this, I was a tech news journalist and then a classically trained chef. Yeah, multi talented, unlike the tribe. Uh, um, what's it like to work with a SEO content legend. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a, it's as amazing as you might think. Um, but one funny thing was when um, when Rand and I were talking about working together, I sort of had this panicked imposter syndrome moment, oh, and, really? <laughs> and and I blurted out. I'm not that good at SEO. I'm just okay at it. <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of looked at me blankly, like. And he said, I, I don't care. <laughs> Amanda, he does that every time he comes on this show. He just looks at me. Uh, um, so, Stephen, <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself to the tribe, Stephen, the new people that are listening to us? Yeah, my name is Stephen Sauer from hustlefish.com. Uh, if you have complex WordPress problems and it feels like you're banging your head against the wall, we can help solve them. Yep, that's great. And before we go into the main part of this great interview uh, i want you to listen from a message from our great main sponsor we'll be back in a few seconds hi there folks i just wanted to tell you about our major sponsor and that's castos if you're looking to get into podcasting for yourself or for clients you need a top quality podcasting platform and that's what you get with Castos. it has a superb interface really easy to use and you're not penalized for success they have a flat rate pricing structure don't matter how many podcasts you make how many downloads you achieve you'll just pray at one fixed rate with Castos, plus their support and just the quality of the people are just amazing also for the wp tonic tribe Castos is just offering an amazing deal if you go to the wp tonic website backlink newsletter you can get 
your first six months at half price. That's right, half price. That's only an exclusive offer to you, the tribe. Also, you'll be able to sign up for the WP Tonic weekly newsletter, which keeps you informed about all the stories and what's happening in the WP Tonic tribe. Please show your support for the show and support Castos. It's a fantastic platform. We're coming back. Like I say, you really want to utilise our sponsor service. They're the champions when it comes to podcasting. So let's go straight into it, Amanda. So um, content marketing, um, big subject, really still important, but I think it's changed quite a bit over the last couple of years. What are the main couple of things that you think have changed in the landscape, Amanda? Yeah, so I think over the past couple of years, um, the biggest thing that has changed is, what is it, the, the, um, the eat, uh, the eat um, aspects of SEO? It's what, expertise, authority, and what's the last one? Um, I'm blanking on forget. it. I always, people just say eat and I'm like, oh yeah. yeah. Like I know, I know what that means, but like <laughs> I always forget what each letter actually stands no, for. <laughs> trustworthiness. That's what <laughs> it is. It's expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. So I think over, especially in the recent, I think it was two years or so, um, you know, the algorithms have been, um, have been updated to try to filter out any untrustworthy content, right? So I think that's been a pretty big change in the recent years. Uh, we've seen a lot of health and wellness websites get dinged for this, right? If they weren't, if they were not a trustworthy resource, if they didn't have, you know, good authority or good re- or good um, citations there, um, you know, that was that was certainly a big issue in health and wellness, and and not even just health, right? I think also industries like finance, legal. Um, so that has become, you know, um, kind of a, a big change in the recent years. Um, but I think, you know, overall in the past, what, 10 to 15 years of SEO, we've seen the industry go from what some have perceived to be kind of a spammy or kind of scammy thing where people just try to get listed in directories to, you know, um, business owners and marketers really trying to do a good job of providing the most helpful and valuable content to searchers. So I think we're seeing a lot of that, right? I think there are a lot of terrific examples in all industries of great blogs that are uh, ranking high in SEO, ranking high in search and very much deserving it. Um, so I think that's been some of the changes. And I think, you know, and I last thing I'll say here is, I think especially over the past um, one and a half to two years um, amid the pandemic, that we've been seeing a lot more marketers and a lot more teams become savvier about um, sort of sort of what I'll call like non-paid marketing, um, the, the side of marketing that's more focused on content and brand. I think we've been seeing a lot more marketers become more savvy about that and a lot more business owners and stakeholders become aware of the fact that those things are long-term investments and over time they can pay you dividends on you know, your search ranking, your your reputation, brand awareness. Um, those are things that I think are becoming, that, you know, marketers are becoming um, more savvy about. And, you know, I think it's been a great opportunity for content marketers over the past year, right? Because 
we've seen that there's been tremendous as as event as physical events have you know had gone away last year uh, more and more brands had turned to content um, as sort of the means to replace events um, and I think people are seeing a lot more success with that when um, people are talking about content today are do you feel like the conversation is still primarily around written blog post SEO type stuff or has that like expanded because now there's like a thousand different ways to publish content whether that's you know YouTube or podcasts or social media um, is content still like when people are talking about it and referring to it is it still like mainstream more little like more like long form-esque written pieces yeah, that's a great question um I don't know. So I think I think the answer is in a lot of um I don't want to say the smartest people because you know I don't want to to <laughs> put anyone down, <laughs> but I will say a lot of the, you know, um a lot of the marketing teams who are very good at brand marketing and very good at um seeing their marketing efforts as efforts as a long-term investment. I think, yes, are seeing content as more than just a blog or more than long form content. And I think people are starting to understand um, the need to optimize for YouTube. Um, and that's, I think for some people, that's still kind of a, I mean, it's still kind of a black box, right? Uh, we don't know exactly the recipe to rank high in YouTube. I think, I think we, I think more of us know how to do that on Google search proper. But I think people are still discovering ways to do this in YouTube. And I think, um, you know, like in shows like this, right, where, where podcasters and show hosts are understanding the need to also cross-promote or cross-publish on, on YouTube. Um, like, I don't even think this is that common, right? I mean, I've seen this before, but it's not, um, it's not something that all podcasters do. Um, so I think we are still kind of in these early days of reimagining what content is. And it doesn't have to be a blog. Um, it doesn't have to be any one thing. But I think people are starting to, to understand the different kinds of content platforms that work best for them and, and for their capabilities and interests. Yeah. And I think you're right. Like somehow it always feels like it still links back to somewhere where there is written something, right? Like, mm -hmm. like a, a podcast will have show notes, right? Like on their website or a YouTube video will be posted alongside, a, you know, several paragraphs or something. Um, like it still exists in this written space because I mean, that, yeah. that's, that's the web. Yeah, I agree. And there's, there's a little bit of that in YouTube too, right? Where um, in, in the show, just in the video yeah. descriptions, you have all those opportunities for latent links, um, adding chapter markers, and also those things are all text, <laughs> right? But yeah, that's what yeah, helps that's, you rank. That's yeah. so true. I didn't even think about that. Like, if I think back, like at my own like YouTube browsing viewing history, like the amount of times that I've opened up like what has been written about the YouTube video has like dramatically increased because people have like other valuable content that they're throwing in there um, that I care about or want to see about. So Amanda. Uh, you know, understanding your audience, um, I've got to tell you, Amanda, one of the problems with podcasting, I've got quite a, we've got a pretty large audience for this show, but who they are, I really don't have much of an idea who's actually listening to this, apart from the numbers are quite large. Um, you know, how important, first of all, how important it is to understand who your audience is 
to have an effective content marketing strategy. And have you got any quick insights about how you understand your audience? No, I mean, I think I think it's very important. Um, I think there are a number of ways to go about this. Um, some of my favorite ways are to figure out if you can find a call, like maybe a handful of people specifically, like maybe it's seeing who is viewing on the on the YouTube stream and then looking up those people, of course, based on their public social media accounts, and then just trying to get a sense of, um, you know, the other social accounts they follow, maybe the websites they frequent, um, you know, getting a sense of what they or what they talk about online. You could you can do this through kind of classic social listening. Um, if you find them on Twitter and, and if they are active on Twitter, you can you know follow them, put them on lists and kind of keep a pulse on what they're talking about. Um, and you can also tap into a tool like ours. I got SparkToro, which um, I did not run this by Rand, but I like to call SparkToro um, more for social understanding, not social listening. So I think, you know, classic social listening tools will show you the conversations and hashtags or people in real time. Um, but SparkToro, you know, we give you kind of, we, we update our, um, I mean, a lot of the social listening stuff that you would see in SparkToro, we update maybe once every three to four months. Um, and so with that, you're able to see things on a more thematic or more holistic level. Like you're able to see um, some of the key phrases that people in your, within your audience what they talk about publicly online or what hashtags they've used over the past 120 days. Um, things like that, that would give you a good picture of what people might be thinking in a given quarter or in a given season. Um, and I think that's really helpful. And then when you use SparkToro for some of this stuff, you can, uh, for instance, if you look at a certain social accounts, Spark Score, you can see some of their related accounts. So if you're able to uncover maybe a couple of your listeners, like their, their um, Twitter accounts, you can do a search like this. Um, and then you could also, you know, um, do searches for um, maybe um, whoever follows uh, your social account or the show's social account. Um, if you enter um, some of the key influencers, maybe that you're, you're related to, whether they've been on the show a couple times or they or you know that they listen to the show. Um, doing a search for them. And you can kind of see um, some of, you can kind of do some pattern matching of, or what are some of the other podcasts they listen to? Do they listen to this one? What what are some of the YouTube channels they subscribe to? Uh, what what websites do they frequent? And what press publications do they follow? So you, you'll be able to see a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, um, I've actually been using, utilizing SparkToro myself. And I'll probably do a video tribe and show you my pathetic efforts around using the tool. But um, I've been quite impressed so far. Over to you, Steve. So the underlying idea is that you're looking for a commonality in your, <clears throat> excuse me, in your group. Um, but once you find that, like, what are you doing with that? Are you trying to produce content around that? So when people search for those things, are you trying to get engagement or like what, what's the overall like holistic idea or strategy once, once you have that commonality determined? Yeah. So what we say here is we help people find their audiences, sources of influence 
so that they can do better marketing. So, so it could be a number of things, right? So it, this could help inform your overall content marketing strategy. Some of the things that SEO, doing a keyword research strategy can't answer, right? Like maybe a keyword research strategy can guide you with overall what topics to cover, right? And like with regards to search volume and difficulty, mm-hmm. right? That's a whole separate piece, right? But there, there might be an aspect to the quality of content that you want to produce that that a keyword research strategy doesn't really tell you, right? There might be um, certain ways of reframing your blog posts. There might be when you, you know, when you run some searches in SparkToro, you might learn, oh, actually my audience, um, based on what I've uh, learned about my audience, there's probably more opportunity in podcasts than a blog for us at this time. Maybe we can do both, but let's focus on the podcast so we can grow that over time and attract people that we that we really need to reach uh, more efficiently. So that could be one. Um, a lot of people are also using our tools for uh, things like buyer personas, right? So when you find some of the commonalities, you can start building out personas that are based on the public behaviors that they have online versus, right, versus a survey where someone says, oh, yeah, I read the Wall Street Journal. I'm smart. <laughs> um, that's one aspect. Uh, and then one of my favorite use cases for SparkToro is actually PR. Um, we've had someone, we had a couple of really savvy, you know, PR consultants and agencies that have used the text insights that they uncovered in SparkToro, baked them into the pitch for a certain publication, and then came back to the publication to say, hey, based on the search that we've done in SparkToro, we've seen that your audience is frequently talking about these topics and you haven't covered these topics in your news coverage in the past, you know, in the past two months. Um, here's why you should share our story and here's how this fits in. And we've seen, and I can't, I can't mention publication names or anything, but we do have, um, we do have a couple of real examples of this actually happening and it worked with um, these pitches. That's, that's really cool. So it's kind of like keyword research mashed up with like look alike audiences, but uh-huh. like before the person is searching for it or like about like what the person is talking about. Like yeah. when, when you're doing keyword research, like you're always like, what are people searching for? But if you're using something like SparkToro, it allows you to hop into the conversation that your people or your group of people that are like following you or you care about are talking about so that you can like even get ahead of that. It's not just like where you're researching. You can be a part of that conversation. It's about yeah. like, like being a part of that group instead of just like, oh, how do I cater to the people that are looking for an answer yeah. on X, Y, or Z? It's also about finding a lot of these hidden gems and really bridging that gap between the things that people say they do and what they actually do. Um, mm. A lot of it is that, right? Like, like yeah. I kind of alluded to that with I read Amanda, Amanda, <laughs> you know me so well, Amanda. Um. <laughs> exactly, right? Um, so, I mean, there are other use cases and related to performance marketing that you could use with Spectoro, like finding podcasts to sponsor, right? Because you might find within a given niche, you might find a couple of seem maybe seemingly small podcasts that maybe you haven't heard of, but maybe you'll find, oh, based on the 5,000 people in my audience, you know, who talk about this given, uh, this given topic, um, 5% of them listen to this podcast. That's a, that's a pretty substantial amount. Like maybe I should consider sponsoring this. And then because that, that podcast is so niche, 
it might not be like twenty thousand dollars to sponsor them, right? It could be it could be a little bit more economical than that. Um, you can also find YouTube channels that get um, outsized views relative to their uh, relative to their following. And I love I did a search in the makeup and beauty product industry for this, and something that surprised me was. Uh, there's a, there's a, I think it's a Korean skincare line called uh, Soul. Uh, I think it was Soulceuticals. It could have been, it could have been that one or someone else. But they had whatever, um, whatever follow subscriber account they had. I think it was five figures. Um, they had millions of views. But then there was um, a well-known publication. I believe it was Glamour magazine. They had like over a million subscribers, but they only had thousands of views. I think it was like, I think it was like hundreds of thousands. It wasn't nothing. Yeah. But, you know, when you look at the actual view count and engagement, um, it was higher in the in the um, lower subscription count um, yeah. channel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like- I read I read Glamour magazine all the time, Amanda. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it's my favourite <laughs> publication, actually. I knew um, it. We, yes, <laughs> I thought you would know that. Uh, um, we need to go for our break and listen to some messages from a couple of great sponsors of the show. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Hi there, folks. Are you looking to build modern shopping cart landing pages using the power of WooCommerce for yourself or for clients? And you want to do that quickly with little need to know about hand coding? Well, if the answer is yes, and it should be, I've got the perfect answer for you, and that's Launch Flows. Launch Flows is the most modern and easiest way of building modern landing shopping pages for your clients. It also works natively with Gutenberg and the leading page builders like Elementor or Divi. It's really flexible, really powerful. Plus, if you go to the WP Tonic website, Backlink newsletter, you'll get an amazing deal of the Launch Flows lifetime deal. I think you almost get a third off, which is just amazing. And it's just an exclusive offer to you, the tribe. Please show your support for Launch Flows, who's a sponsor of the WP Tonic podcast and for the show itself. It's much appreciated. Hi there, folks. Are you involved in the building of new websites or supporting WordPress websites as a freelancer or agency owner? If the answer is yes, we've got a great tool here, Avarine. As you know, you can waste a tremendous amount of time with email or phone tag with your clients around a new WordPress build-out or supporting multiple websites. It can be a real pain in the posterior. But with Avarine, you get a central interface where clients can log in and with an easy visual interface, they can show you the changes they require. It's a real game changer and it will save a tremendous amount of time and frustration, not only for yourself, for your team, also, Avarim have given us a great offer. It basically only costs you $1 to try their program. It's really fantastic. If that sounds interesting, go to the WP Tonic website, WP Tonic Backlink newsletter, and you'll be able to try this great product, like I say, for just $1. What a fantastic offer. See you soon, folks. We're coming back. Um, I also want to point out that those couple of sponsors, they've got some great deals which you can have access to if you sign up for our newsletter. And um, on our newsletter sign-up page, you will be you will have access to some exclusive offers. 
from those sponsors. So go over and sign up for our newsletter. Um, so let's go on with this great interview because um, it's rather important. Um, there always seems to be traditional in slightly, you know, we cater for the WordPress professional and SaaS startup communities. That's what our tribe is, Amanda. But in more traditional, um, slightly larger organisations, let's say at 25 to 500, um, you have sales departments and you have marketing departments. And there always seems to be, um, I wouldn't say conflict, but stress. Because, the, you know, the sales department's always complaining that the leads that the marketing generate aren't real leads. And in the marketing department's always complaining that the sales department is always short-term they want a return on investment straight away. How, how, got any insights how that can be dealt with? So the sales and marketing departments can be blissfully aligned and everybody happy, Amanda. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so, I, I mean, I have definitely worked in organizations where there was this tension between sales and marketing where exactly what you described uh, we were not providing the leads that were uh, that, that were that were highly qualified that could progress through that funnel traditionally, right? Um, I think. I mean, my opinion is I think there's some systemic problems with the traditional ways that we have tried to align marketing and sales. Um, I would love to hear success stories of someone who's done this really well, but. I have a kind of a bone to pick with the whole with the classic MQL to SQL to PQL thing. Can you explain some of those? Yeah, uh, right. So, so I, I, I honestly don't even know the overall terminology of this. But you know, in a well, in a sale, we'll say in a B two B sales funnel, you might start with a marketing qualified lead. And that would be somebody who comes to your site and goes, great, what a what a lovely ebook. I want to download it. I'm going to type in my email. And they type it in. And then maybe they get an email. They open the email, click on the blog post. And then they maybe they do enough, they do enough interactions over time that push them over to, to a sales qualified lead. And maybe the sales team thinks, great, okay, well, technically they downloaded our ebook, they read three of our blog posts. They must love our content and they must, they must be ready for a demo. So I'm going to reach out and ask for a demo. And then maybe the maybe that reader, consumer, you know, maybe they go, okay, sure, I guess I'll take the demo. You offered it. And then they realize, oh, I'm not actually buying right now. I don't have the budget right now. I'd rather just kind of continue to learn from your content. Maybe I'll go to your event. I don't know. But like, I'm not ready. And then, and that's, when, and that's yeah. when they hit the whiskey bottle, isn't it? <laughs> it is right. And then that's where, and then that's where sales says, "Gosh, like you guys gave us a terrible lead. You need to fix your lead scoring. This isn't working. You know all that stuff." Which I think that's, I think what I described is a pretty classic scenario. Because um, I think that you know the problem there is that that's where marketers are conflating engagement with intent to purchase, and you can have someone who loves your blog and who and who gets a lot of in, gets a lot of value out of it and says like I'm learning so much but I'm 
not going to buy yet. Maybe I'll buy next year. And right, and I'm sure that's frustrating for a sales team that needs to meet a monthly or quarterly quota. They don't want to, you know, nurture a lead that might convert, you know, 18 months from now. Nobody wants that, right? Yeah, so that's, before, um, yeah. before I throw it over to Stephen, are, is the real problem, I totally mm-hmm. agree with what you just said, but the real problem is they've got a problem with their offering, their mm-hmm. their their copy on their key pages of their website, who they're showing, bit linked to what um, Sparturo is about, about who they're attracting to their website. Because if you've got the right offering with the right message, they start approaching you, they start booking the demos, you don't have to do... Is that what... Is that maybe the crux of the problem so right i think i think you're i think that's definitely i think that's a big part of it i think i think what we need to see or what maybe marketers or teams need to do is kind of move more towards self-service options and self-service doesn't have to mean you know some uh, a customer is completely on their own and can never you know get support from a sales team it's not so much that but i think there should be elements of that baked into the offering. And you can do this with free tools, right? Maybe you have um, a really robust software that, you know, is expensive and maybe that requires some white glove service from a sales team. And I think that's fine, but I think there also needs to be a balance of these maybe lower cost or free self-service options that a customer, that a potential customer can engage with, um, that keeps you top of mind for them. That keeps them thinking, oh, okay, like I get what I get what SparkToro does. Um, all right, like I'm gonna get I get some value out of this. But when I have the budget or when, you know, when things change for me, I know I'm going to want to buy up into the premium offering. Yeah. So as we're like talking about marketing, um, and like SparkToro, right? It's about getting all this data about your customer and your users and how do you use that to market it. But like another conversation that I feel like is going hand in hand right now is this idea of privacy and privacy mm-hmm. concerns and marketing. And it feels like the more the more uh, rules that get made around privacy, the harder it is to market to your segment that you're really trying to get to because the less you know about it. But like, what are you seeing right now in that space, the space of like data mining and getting data, but also balancing it with like user privacy and how not to, I don't know, abuse the data that we have access to. Yeah. I mean, I I think what's tricky about that is I feel like consumers have been trained to think about the wrong things with privacy, Hmm. right? Where I think people don't realize how much they are cookied or pixeled by companies like Facebook or Google, right? But, they, but they're but they upset about retargeted ads that may or may not have anything yeah. to do with the way Facebook works or has a little bit to do with it, right? So I think, I think when people are upset about retargeting, that's an example of um, kind of privacy concerns gone wrong where it's, I mean, you looked at the, you looked at the thing, you went up, you went to the website, you clicked on it, you put things in your cart and now you're mad that you're getting more marketing about it. Like that's a pretty direct, you know, behavior that, it's understandable, at least in my opinion, to get marketed yeah. to. But, you know, there are the things like um, the kind of scarier things, I would say, that are like when, right, when, when like this was a couple of years ago, people have found that 
Facebook has been able to predict when a woman or when a person is pregnant. Like that's yeah. that like, that stuff is kind of creepy, right? Um, but anyway, with just, regards just to, a bit, <laughs> yeah, just a little bit creepy. But I think with regards to you know privacy and like how what marketers need to do, I mean, we at Spark Toro have always been mindful about privacy and how data is used. So we've been very upfront about you know the data that we gather. It's all based on what people are doing publicly online. Mm-hmm. So like private social media accounts, we don't we don't you know crawl that data because we can't. Um, and it's all also presented on aggregate. Right. So we can give you text insights like maybe self-identifiers that people use in their public social media bios or on their profiles. Um, But we can't tell you who's saying that. Right. So we have that. Um, And I think, you know, as as third party cookies go away and that that's been something that's been on people's radar or on marketers radar for a while. I kind of think that's why that's a reason why more marketers have been. Um, kind of learning more or getting better at some of the brand and content marketing because they've been realizing, okay, we can't just lean on, we can't just lean on these cookies to help us with our retargeting or help us with our remarketing. We need to do other things that build awareness and affinity and drive value to our readers um, to help them keep coming back. Yeah, it's not just about like creepy remarketing ads. It's about building that engagement with, with the user. Yeah, we um, need to wrap up the podcast podcast part of the show, folks. But Amanda's agreed to stay on, and we 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 got uh, some great other questions to ask Amanda. She truly is an expert in her field. I think she's already shown that. Also, she laughs at my jokes, which is always uh, a blessing because they're not that funny, are they? Uh, um. I'm going to let Amanda tell you how we can find out more. She also sparked to do an excellent newsletter, which was sent to me um, this morning, and I'll actually read it. And it had some fantastic content, Amanda. I don't know if you have a role in the newsletter. If so, you've done a great job, Amanda. Uh, um, so, Amanda, how can people find out more about you and your thoughts, Amanda? Thanks, Jonathan. Um, so you can check us out on sparktoro.com. Uh, we do have a free plan where you get five sample searches per month. Uh, we also you know, have a couple of tiered paid plans. We also have free tools like SparkScore. Um, and then finally, we have the audience research newsletter, which Jonathan very kindly complimented. Um, you can find that all on our website, sparktoro.com. Um, and then as for me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Amanda Nat. Uh, and my personal site is amandanat.com. Mm. And uh, what I love about the Spark Toro, because I've been using it for the past few months, is that um, obviously I follow Rand's new um, blog posts and that. But what's also been great to see is how you built out the educational content on the Spark Toro website. And they provide some excellent training materials now from Rand and the team that really explains how to utilize the tool. Um, so um, please do a dive in that before you really get stuck into it. It will become much more useful to you. Also, um, so Stephen, how can people find out more about you? Yeah, head over to hustlefish.com or reach me at my email, Stephen at hustlefish.com. And before we close the show, folks, please go over to the WP Tonic Facebook group page and join us there. We have a great conversation. We're posting a lot more there. 
It's for people like you. Um, you can ask any questions from our moderators and we're trying to build a real community. And also, like Amanda, we've got a great guest next week. Um, Amanda's been great, um, but we truly have a fantastic, even, well, we've got Dr. Sherry Wylene joining us, so the other half of Rob Rayling, the founder of Drip and um, Startups for the Rest of Us podcast. Um, Sherry um, is just a fantastic psychologist and we're going to be doing a deep dive in what what are the characteristics of founders and business owners and why are some certain very large business owners a bit psychopathic. Uh, um, We'll be diving in a deep dive with Sherry and she's just a fantastic, like Amanda, so knowledgeable we'll be back next week please join us we'll see you soon folks bye thanks for listening to the wp tonic podcast the podcast that gives you a dose of wordpress medicine twice a week 